0: Well, good morning. Thanks again for the invitation to be with you this morning. Uh, We're going to pray and then we'll think about this passage. Let's pray together. Uh, Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you that you speak to us through your word. Uh, Thank you that we can gather together to hear from you. Please open our ears, open our hearts that we might be changed by you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Christian ministry is is full of all sorts of joys and difficulties. We just heard of a a great joy in Mudgee. Uh, Over over your years in ministry, you will experience high highs and low lows. Uh, I think one of the low points of my ministry over the last 20 years is the conversation I've had to have with people who are really keen to go to the mission field, but they shouldn't. Uh, after all, we spend all this effort. We have special weeks to to raise the profile of mission, special things to recruit people, and send. We send them off to get trained, and there's such a need uh, in the mission field, and and they are really keen. But the the answer to their desire to go has to be no. That is a very difficult conversation to have. It's it's the nah of mission. And it's the topic I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to talk about it using the outline of a book that I'm going to write one day in Spanish. It's a it's a book which I've thought of, been thinking about as I've been uh, teaching courses to Latin American pastors over the past ten years or so. And and the thesis of the book is that in Latin America there needs to be a change in vocabulary when it comes to uh, talking about the training of the next generation of pastors. Uh, At the moment, the word that is used to describe the preparation and and training of new pastors is capacitacion. Now, capacitacion is the word you would use if you want to talk about the process of transferring a a packet of knowledge from one person to another. Uh, There is this this packet of knowledge in the, the head of the teacher And through the process of capacitacion, that knowledge gets put into the head of the student. And therefore the student is able to perform the task that you want them to perform, but which they couldn't previously do. Uh, So for example, uh, there's someone who who needs to be able to change the brake pads on a car. Um, They don't know how to do it, but there is someone who does. Uh, And through a process of talking, Demonstration, having a go, being corrected, etc. The person goes from not knowing how to change the brake pads to being able to do it. Uh, that, that knowledge transfer that is capacitacion. And as a result of it, they can do the task. So in Latin America, there's a, a great concern for the raising up of new pastors. Uh, as i traveled all over the region and ch- talked with church leaders over and over again they would kind of lament with me the the fact that the lack of new generation of pastors and they wanted to talk with me about how to encourage to and raise up the next generation and as they talked they would use the language the vocabulary of capacitación But what I noticed is that the vocabulary you use when you talk about your preparation has a huge influence on the type of program that you implement. For example, if your focus is capacitacion, then the program that you come up with looks something like this. You ask yourself, what are the functions that the new pastor needs to perform that he currently can't do? Uh, He he needs to preach a sermon on Sunday, uh, lead in prayers and and lead the worship service. Uh, The pastor needs to perform occasional services like weddings and and funerals. Uh, The pastor needs to know how to visit sick people in their homes or in in hospital. Um, He needs to give a half-decent talk, kids talk at the summer kids program. And the pastor needs to know how to attend the annual grandmother's lunch. Now, I did that a couple of times. It is a a really beautiful, but very intimidating time. So there are a whole lot of things the pastor needs to do. And, you know, fairly, the assumption is that that the pastor, the trainee pastor doesn't know how to do most of these things. He's never changed the brake pad, so to speak. So he needs capacitacion. So the trainee goes to a preaching workshop. Tick, capacitation done. Now he's able to preach. He, he has a crack at a couple of weddings, doesn't mess it up too badly, tick, done. And most scarily, he has someone old and wise tell him what to do at the grandmother's annual lunch. Now just hint for rookies, don't eat everything on your plate straight away because they just fill it up again. So. As a result of this kind of skill sharing process, the various capacitaciones, he is now qualified to be the pastor of a church and off he goes. Now this of course is the best case scenario. In in many contexts, there is no time for capacitacion. So he just jumps in and, and does the best he can. So that's chapter one of my book. It's kind of laying out the current situation in Latin America. In chapter two comes the difficult bit, because I say something like, well, look at that system, look at that methodology, and then have a look at 1 Timothy chapter three and tell me what you see. 1 Timothy chapter three verses one to 13 are, of course, the famous lists of qualifications for elders and overseers and, and deacons. We're just gonna concentrate on verses one to seven for a moment, the, the section addressed to overseers. What do we learn from this passage? Well, the first thing is to be an overseer is a noble task. It is not something to be taken lightly, not something to be awarded quickly, not something to be mocked or belittled. Now that of course might be a challenge for us Australians who love to criticize and cut down our leaders. Not so much a problem in Latin America where title and position are honored. But from verse two, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, and on it goes. When you read that passage in the context of preparing and training the next generation of ministers, my question is, what do you see? I see character. When you're looking up at when you're looking at raising up leaders, it's character that matters. Yes, they need to be able to teach. That's kind of more at the skill end of the spectrum. But overwhelmingly, character is the dominant category. So here's the problem. Capacitación. Is about skills whether you can successfully change the brake pads or not doesn't depend on what, whether you are drunk a drunkard or violent I, I have no idea about the character of the bloke who fixed my car in mexico he, he seemed like a nice enough guy i knew he was always ready for a chat he was into racing vintage Votitos, and he had three grown-up kids but but beyond that his character really didn't impact whether he could fix my starter motor or not. But 1 Timothy chapter three tells us being an overseer, character does matter. Not only does it matter, it's, it's crucial. So to focus on skills transfer and think about the work of a church leader solely in terms of the tasks they have to do is not a biblical model. If we are going to have a serious kind of lean on character, a- as the Bible does, then we need to come up with a better word to describe the process of raising up the next generation of pastors. Instead of capacitacion, we need a new word. And that word is formación, formation. Because formation is much more all-encompassing. It's much, a, much more of a holistic word. When I'm thinking about the formation of a person, I'm thinking about all aspects of their personality and character and skills and abilities. Capacitacion is a subset of Formacion, no doubt. But Formacion is much more than Capacitacion. Right. So that's that's chapter two of my book. And in a pastor's conference or workshop, as I've been working through this material, it's about now that I say, okay, coffee break time, let's go and have half an hour, just have a break, think about what we've been talking about, and then we'll come back. And then I stand there and I reach into my bag and I pull out my water bottle and a bag of cashews, knowing full well that for the next 30 minutes, I'm not going to be able to move from where I'm standing, because I'm going to be surrounded with a bunch of guys saying things like, yes, yes, we want to raise up the next generation of pastors, the best generation we can. And we agree that character is so important. In fact, they know that they've seen the devastation of a lack of godly character in a church. But what can we do about that? And I try to be patient and smile and sympathize and try to encourage them and talk with each other about what it means. Then Then after 30 minutes, we come back together, and I offer what I think is a way forward. Uh, In a sense, a simple kind of framework for the task of formacion instead of capacitacion. Now, I'm a simple sort of guy, so my framework is simple. If we want to form the next generation of church leaders in a way that reflects the biblical emphasis on character, our formacion needs three elements. First, the Bible. We need to read the Bible with people, study it, dwell on it, pray from it, allow God's words to teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in righteousness. Now that may seem massively obvious, but the problem is if you don't articulate the obvious, then it's assumed and fairly quickly lost. See, If you leave the Bible out of the formation picture, something else will fairly quickly step up into that void. Whether it be sociology or strategy or vision setting or cultural engagement, whatever it is, there is a whole lot of stuff that can seem really attractive and new and exciting, but not foundational in the same way that simply reading the Bible is. So step one, Bible. Step two. Relationship. formation requires relationship. If you are going to be talking about issues of character, about being self-controlled, not quarrelsome, being sober-minded, you can't just examine that sort of stuff through written assignments. It requires relationship, hard questions, honesty. And, of course, this is where the great blessing of Christian fellowship comes in. Because in his kindness, God surrounds us with people who we can trust and who can help us in this process. So step one, Bible. Step two, relationship. Step three, time. A relationship that allows serious character examination and criticism to take place needs time. To address any of that stuff in a meaningful way is, is pretty difficult at a first meeting. How are you gonna know if the person has an issue with impatience or self-control if you've only met them for five minutes? Are you really gonna have that sort of deep conversation with them on your first date, so to speak? Bible, relationship, time. The key elements of Formation. Okay, so that's all very interesting. Um, but what's it got to do with world mission? We're here this week to think about cross-cultural mission, and here I am spruiking my probably never-to-be-written book in Spanish. So here's the thing. I think often when we are thinking about overseas mission and whether I or somebody else might be a suitable person for overseas mission, we are thinking in the categories of capacitacion. We look at skills or things they have done Like they've traveled overseas. They're adventurous in their eating. They speak another language. They grew up in a multicultural environment. Their ministry experience includes ministering to people from another culture. They once went on a short term mission. They have a passport or a visa that would allow them to live easily in another country. Many of these qualifications fall into the category of capacitacion. But I want to say no. While while that list and things like that might provide some sort of corroborating evidence for a person's suitability for overseas mission, if their character is not suitable, then we should be saying nah to them being an overseas missionary. Let me be more personal for a moment. If you are considering cross-cultural missionary service and your character is not suitable, then you should be saying no. If you are talking to trusted friends and they are saying to you, no, you need to listen. If someone is talking to you and you think, gee, I've got some concerns about their character, then you should speak up. Difficult as that might be. Because if you are going to location and you're going to be impatient and quarrelsome with the local culture, no, you should not go because you will damage the cause of the gospel in that place. If you are a lover of money and expect to gain riches on the field, then not only are you deluded, but you are inappropriate to go. Those who chase the, the braggy kind of Instagram moments or the frequent flyer points or expect to live the expat high life do not help the cause of the gospel. Because all that is seen by those who you are supposedly there to serve. If your household is a relational mess, I can guarantee that it will be amplified under the stress of living in a new culture. And that will cause difficulties with local believers as they observe your family which inevitably they will. If it's all about you, your success, your runs on the board, your, your lack of humility, your not being prepared to do the quiet stuff that nobody sees, ironically, that will be seen. You are not, you are not appropriate to go. Character matters much more than skills or experience. And character may mean the answer is no. But of course, the no doesn't have to be permanent. That's the beauty of formacion. Because if you are someone who is willing to be formed, teachable, then change can happen. We all believe in the process of sanctification and character sanctification, if I can put it like that, is a thing we know God is capable of. He can make the impatient patient, the violent gentle the one lacking self-control, self-controlled. Through the work of his spirit, the rebuke, the encouragement of of our peers, he works to mold us, to form us. So please be realistic, be reflective, be open to criticism, especially when it comes to difficult things like your character. As I finish, can I can I please say something to you as a as a group of more college students? And uh, that is, I hope as you listen to the outline of my magical three steps for Formation, Bible, relationship, and time, you were thinking warm thoughts about more college. Um, you should be, because it is those elements in that order that is so much part of the community you are part of here at college please don't take that for granted. I've had the chance to be part of a few theological colleges and seminaries around the world, and the the methodology of teaching, the the importance of community, the the depth of relationships that form here at Moore College, that is not normal around the world. So please take advantage of that. As you study and live together, you are building a network of friends and colleagues who in the years ahead, you will be able to have the hard conversations with. In the future, when you need to have a chat with a trusted friend about the fact that you are considering about going overseas and and you need an opinion on your character, the people sitting around you or on screens around you are the ones you are going to talk to. So work on those relationships now. Mission? Yeah. Because of the gospel. Mission? No. Because at the moment there are elements of your character that make you unsuitable. But the no can change. Let's pray that God would do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would shape us. We pray that you would change us to be the people, to be people more like Jesus. We pray especially for our character. Help us to listen to the counsel of wise friends. Help us to be wise friends who give that counsel. Help us to be shaped by you and to be so changed that we can serve you better. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.